Welcome to an enlightening podcast from IslamPodcasts.com. We encourage our listeners to please comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please remind your family and friends to also visit IslamPodcasts.com for engaging discussions on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, Sirah, and much more. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran, Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com as well as rate, review of iTunes. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله الكريم أما بعد فرادرز السلام عليكم ورحمة الله تعالى وبركاته وإن شاء الله تعالى we'll uh, resume our program uh, to discuss the uh, seerah of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and just to, uh, to emphasize on the, on the issue of the seerah and from which angle do we uh, address it the seerah or the biography of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم as we all know, it exists in uh, many books that was written uh, for the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, such as the seerah of Hisham, seerah al-Halabiyya, and many, many books. And the point is, the reason to understand, that the, re- the reason to study and understand the seerah is, there must be an objective behind it. There must be a goal. Why do we have to study the seerah? Why do we have to discuss the seerah? The point here is, the Ummah nowadays living in a very bad situation in which the Ummah all over the world, they are seeking, they are looking for a solution. They are looking for a way out of all of the trouble that the Ummah goes in uh, nowadays. So we need to go back and the history of the Prophet ﷺ. And he was the Prophet. He was receiving the revelation in all of his aspects of life. That revelation could be like the text or the action of the Prophet ﷺ. So... Studying the seerah is to look and to follow the footsteps of the Prophet ﷺ to see how did Rasul ﷺ made the change that changed the face of the whole history. So to follow it for the ummah nowadays to follow and achieve the same objective that he achieved 1400 years ago or more than 1400 years ago. Last time we talked in more detailed about the second pledge or bay'at al-aqaba al-thaniya in details and we understood the essentials and the importance and the uh, you know the, the key points of that pledge and how it was a, a turning point in a, a turning point in the life of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we went into that in details and we when you go to the book of the seerah, they call it, this is the bay'ah, or this is the pledge of war. This is the pledge of ruling. The people of Aus and Khazraj, when they came to the Prophet ﷺ, and they were like uh, more than 70, when they came, they came with an, a clear objective that we are coming to give you a word. That word is, we are willing and we are ready to accept you as a ruler. We are willing to harbor you. We are willing to protect you. We are willing to support this deen. 
And that bay'ah was a covenant between the people of Yathrib and Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we did talk about the discussion that was going back and forth between the Prophet sallallahu from one, and one side and those people from another side and as well from Al-Abbas because he wanted to make sure that since Rasul sallallahu has decided to go with you, are you going to help him, support him, protect him, defend him, or are you going to let him go? Or are you going to let him uh, stay by himself? So we understood from that, that bay'ah, that pledge was very crucial in the life of the ummah. And after that, after that, we started talking about the beginning of the migration. The migration of the Muslims, the companions uh, in Mecca to their new home, to their new state, to their new place, to their new place. Rasulullah in one hadith, he mentioned about this hijrah, and he mentioned about the place of the hijrah, just to tell, or just to say that this hijrah or that place was chosen to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he said, إِنِّي أُرِيتُ دَارَ هِجْرَتِكُمْ إِنِّي أُرِيتُ أُرِيتُ means I was shown. I was shown the house of your hijrah. He did not say, I thought about it, or he did not say, I am pointing you to that place. He says, Inni uritu dara hijratikum. Means Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who showed him and he pointed to him the place of the hijrah in which you will go and migrate to. So it was not an issue from the Prophet. It was something that was revealed to the Prophet by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he said, وَإِنَّهَا أَرْضٌ ذَاتُ نَخْلٍ بَيْنَ حَرَّتَيْنِ And it's a land of dates, palms. A, a, a place or a land of dates, بَيْنَ حَرَّتَيْنِ حَرَّتَيْنِ It comes between two uh, pieces of land that is a desert. الْحَرَّ means a desert that is full of rocks. And these rocks, they are like a, a volcano uh, uh, rocks. So he was pointing them to Al-Madina Al-Munawwara. To Al-Madina Al-Munawwara. Now this is an indication. Indication for the Prophet an indication for the Sahaba Radwanullahi alayhim that they are to leave their village. They are to leave their homeland to a new place that is new to them and they do not have anything in it. Given that we are talking about what? We're talking about, at that time, we're talking about tribal societies. Means if somebody has to move from one tribe to another tribe, that was a big deal. But now the Sahaba, the Muhajireen, among uh, the uh, Quraysh, the Muhajireen from Quraysh, they wanted to move into a new place. A place that Hijrah means you leave, migration, you leave, you leave where you live and you stayed or maybe where you grew up and you have to go for a purpose. And that purpose was very great purpose. The purpose in which they want to move to a place to establish justice, to establish the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there is a big possibility that they won't come back to Mecca. They won't come back to the place they were born on. In. That means they are leaving their property. They are sacrificing their property, their wealth, their money. 
Some of them already, they did leave their wives and their children, as we will see. The migration was not as somebody claimed that the Prophet ﷺ was escaping and running away from the tortures and from the oppression of the people. No. Somebody claims this, but this is not the fact. It's not true. Rasulullah he did not even care about this torture. Rasulullah was looking for a place to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Look what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says. Allah in Quran says, قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ قُلْ يَا أَهْلَ الْكِتَابِ لَسْتُمْ عَلَى شَيْءٍ حَتَّى تُقِيمُوا التَّوْرَاةَ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ وَمَا أُنْزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ Say, until the people of the book. Say, until the people of the book. You are not, you are nothing until you establish. He says, you حَتَّى تُقِيمُوا He did not even mention the way حَتَّى تُؤْمِنُوا until you believe in this book or that book. No, he says, حَتَّى تُقِيمُوا When you establish, when you build up. Aqama means he build up. We say, Aqama baytahu means he build up his house. That means you won't be on anything until you establish the Torah and the Injil and what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to you. And what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to them is Quran. So this, this, this migration was, was for what? What was the purpose? The purpose of this migration of the Prophet ﷺ was to establish the rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As a matter of fact, the establishment of the rule of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is considered to be the crown of the obligations. The crown of the, 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 the obligation. It will, be, it will be the shield that will protect the Islamic value and the Islamic aqeedah and Islamic ideology. Through it, the honor, the dignity, and the blood of the Muslims will be protected and preserved. If it exists nowadays, brothers, really, when you see in the news what happens to the refugees, if it exists nowadays, our brothers and sisters won't be escaping from their homeland to cross the sea to Europe and to die in the middle of the sea or on the shore of the sea. This, is, this was the value of the, the hijrah. This was the essentials of the hijrah, is to establish yuqeem. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in another ayah says, شَرَعَ لَكُمْ شَرَعَ لَكُمْ مِنَ الدِّينِ مَا وَصَّى بِهِ نُوحًا وَالَّذِي أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْكَ وَمَا وَصَّيْنَا بِهِ إِبْرَاهِيمَ وَمُوسَى وَعِيسَى أَنْ أَقِيمُوا الدِّينَ وَلَا تَتَفَرَّقُوا فِيهِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the meaning of the translation here says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he legislated for you a deen, a way of life. What he has given to Nuh alayhi salam, and what we are revealing to you as a message, and what we have given to Ibrahim alayhi salam, and Musa alayhi salam, and Isa alayhi salam, to do what? An aqimu ad-deen, and establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you look at the names he mentioned here in this ayah, the prophets, Nuh, the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ibrahim alayhi salam, Musa alayhi salam, and Isa alayhi salam, those five prophets, what is their title? Their title is the Ulil Azm min al-Rusul. Ulil Azm, the prophets of power, of strength, the prophets of power and strength, they are commanded to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
So anyone who would work and go, go within the same path of those prophets, he would be considered also, he's following the prophets of Ulil Azm. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us following their path, inshallah ta'ala. So therefore the hijrah was a clear evidence that the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this deen of Allah, Islam, it is a political deen. That includes what? Economic systems, ruling systems, social systems, internal and external policies, a complete way of life, a complete way of life for practical implementation. It proves that this deen was not an, an individual deen that is sent for certain and limited rituals that you could practice in a closed place like your, your, your house. If it was the case, the Prophet ﷺ would not migrate. Why he had to go through this, you know, this trouble and migrate from his place to another place if it was a deen of rituals for individuals? He would stay in Mecca. He would not even face all of these challenges and face all of this torture and the Sahaba as well. And even though, even more, the people of Quraysh, why would the people of Quraysh won't even bother to fight and stop Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? We won't see this. All of this, it's very clear that the hijrah of the Prophet was to establish the Islamic way of life, to establish practically the rules of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Brothers, when we look at the seerah and we look at the books of the seerah of the Prophet we see two phases, two phases of this era. One phase, they call it the Mecca phase, which was ended by the second pledge of Al-Aqaba, in which the Prophet ﷺ took the issue to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a vital issue, an issue of life and death. And we did, we did talk about this when he said, if they put the sun in my right hand and the moon in my left hand to, see, to leave this deen, I will never leave this deen until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it prevail or or I will die in the attempt. So the Mecca phase ended by the second pledge. The second pledge of Al-Aqaba. And therefore, Rasulullah he handled these challenges until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him with victory. And the second phase, the second phase of the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ was called the Madini, or the Medina, or Madani phase, which was the phase of the practical implementation of Islam on the people in Medina and to carry that Islam as a mercy to the whole world. And the decisive day, the decisive day between these two phases is the hijrah of the Prophet ﷺ. So the hijrah, it was a decisive day in the life of the ummah and in the life of the humanity with all meanings. It was the day in which the face of the history was changed. The weaknesses was changed to what? To strength. The oppression was changed to justice. The fear was changed to security and tranquility. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminded the Muslimin after the Battle of Badr when he said, وَذْكُرُوا إِذْ كُنْتُمْ قَلِيلٌ مُسْتَضْعَفُونَ فِي الْأَرْضِ Remember? He's telling the, 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 the Muslimin. Remember when you were little, few, and you were weak on earth? تَخَافُونَ أَيَّ تَخَطَّفَكُمْ النَّاسِ 
تخافون اي تخطفكم الناس and you were so scared that the people could kidnap you and then فاواكم وايدكم بنصره ورزقكم من الطيبات لعلكم تشكرون and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he harbored you and he provided you with victory and he granted you victory and he provided you the rizq of tayyibat when that happened that happened after the day of migration so it is a decisive day in the life of the ummah therefore umar al-khattab radiyallahu anhu when he was talking about what is what would be the calendar of the muslims when he was you know consulting the 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 uh, the sahaba radhiyallahu anhum and somebody chose to, to take the birth of the Prophet Sallallahu somebody says, let's talk about the death of the Prophet Sallallahu or somebody says, let's take the day of revelation. When Ali radiallahu anhu said, why don't we take the hijrah of the Prophet Sallallahu to be the date of Islam, the calendar of Islam. Then Umar said, this day is the day in which Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala distinguished between the haq and the battle. The haq and the battle. So the hijrah was a completely decisive day as we'll inshallah ta'ala see in the coming lectures. So now let's go back and look at the details of the hijrah and what lessons that can be driven from the actions of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa given the fact that Allah Rasul, he was a prophet. He was a prophet. He was supported by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly, yet he had to go and do certain actions and certain details. Certain actions with details. How do we perform? And at the same time, how do we completely rely and depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? He did not sleep or lay down and then he was just left Mecca to Medina without taking a lot of precautions, without planning, without planning. So when Quraysh was assured that the bay'ah took place, if you remember, when the rumor came to them, before the people of Yathrib left Mina, and if you know, when Abu Jahl came and he break into the camp of the Yathribis, and he was questioning them, did you really meet with this man? Did you give him the pledge? Is there any sort of communication between you and him? And then the head of that uh, uh, you know, uh, delegation, uh, Abdullah ibn Abayyub ibn Salih, said, we, we don't know, we, we don't know what you're talking about. Then they left. After that, they came to know as a fact that this bay'ah took place. So Quraysh got into a madness status. They went crazy. They realized that if Muslims migrate to Medina, it won't, be, it won't be like the migration to Habasha. It is completely different. They realize that this one is a hijra of victory that will establish an entity that would be a threat on their existence. That is the way they realized this. That's why they went, they went into madness and crazy. And they declared the state, the state the, the, I mean, they declared the state of emergency, really, with full means. They declared the state of emergency, as we will see. So why would, look, why would they look at this as a threat? First of all, they lost 
their young men from each house of Mecca, especially the elites, you will find one or two. They are to migrate to the new state, leaving behind their families and their tribes. That means what? They are losing the real manpower. The youth, the young. So that was a threat for them. The second one, it is this state will be a power that will threat them in a, in, a, in, in, in a way that they knew as a fact that this deen won't stay in a closed place. This deen will spread. This deen will spread. If you remember when we talked about uh, uh, the era when Rasulullah was proposing himself to the tribes, and when he came to the tribe uh, of uh, Amr bin Sasa, when one of them stood and he said, if I take this man, if I take this man with me, then I will control all the Arabs. It was clear for them that it won't stay only in Yathrib, it won't stay only in Medina. No, it will expand and then it will come to Mecca one day. So they wanted to prevent this from happening. And then the third threat for them was an economy. For them, if their economy is really under a serious Threat. How is that? From two perspectives. The first one, they know that this deen, you know, convinces the minds and hits the hearts. That means within no time, the tribes will start entering this deen into waves. Okay? And the people of the Arab around Mecca, they won't come and, they won't come and worship all of these idols in Mecca. Those idols for the people of Quraysh was what? Was business. So they will lose. They will lose a lot of money. No more business. No more market. No more selling and trading. The other aspect of their economy, this new entity in Medina, where is it? It's in the middle, in the way of their caravans. Where? To Sham. So if they allow this entity to grow up, then they won't have the ability to send their caravans to Bilad al-Sham to sell goods and buy goods. And that's what happened right after the Hijrah, right? When Rasulullah he wanted to take over the caravan of Abu Sufyan. So that for them, they were smart. They knew, they knew what, what they, 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 they are, what, what's like waiting for them. So when we say they went into a madness status, that is for, for real, for fact. So as we said, they declared the state of emergency to stop and prevent this hijrah. So what they did? What are the actions that they did? First, they spread, they spread their intelligence, their mukhabarat, their security in the streets of Mecca, in the entrance of Mecca, to watch and to see anyone who is going to migrate. To do what? To capture them, jail them, torture them, even if this leads to what? To their death. And in this case, as the Sahaba, as we studied in the Sira, the same way they sacrificed in the cause of the Da'wah, they also sacrificed in this Hijrah. Many examples actually. Many examples to show that this deen was not to be established without the sacrifice of those people. And if the Ummah wants this deen to prevail, 
and the shield to come back without the sacrifice that the Sahaba radhiyallahu anhum, men and women did, it will not be coming soon. It won't. I will take just two examples. One of them is Umm Salama. Very interesting story. Umm Salama and her husband, they were Muslims. And they wanted to migrate. So they got their camels. Umm Salama says that her husband brought a camel and she ride on the camel and they start their journey of migration. The spies and the intelligence, they captured them and they sent the news to the elites of Quraysh. Umm Salama from Bani Makhzum, big tribe, the tribe of Abu Jahl and Al-Walid ibn Mughira. When they came to them, they hold the leash of the camel and they told Abu Salama, you know what? We have nothing to do with you. You want to migrate, migrate. But this is our woman and she is staying with us. What was the response of Abu Salama and Umm Salama? He did not say, oh, I can't leave my wife behind me. No, then forget the whole hijrah, forget the whole state, forget Muhammad, and forget the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He did not say this. This is the examples that we are missing now. Or this is the examples that we have to have. He did not even hesitate to continue his migration. And his wife as well. He did not hold, she did not hold him and told him, well, where are you going? How come you leave us with those kuffar? She was not an obstacle in front of his migration. Now, when the tribe of Abu Salama came to know about this situation, and Bani Makhzum, they are taking Umm Salama and her son with, her, with, with them, they came and they said, you know what? No, this son is ours. So the tribe of Bani Makhzum, they hold the arm of, the, of Salama from one, from one side, and the tribe of Abu Salama, they are holding the other arm, and they start pulling the child left and right. They, kept, they say, this is us. And those people, they say, this is us, until they detach his arm from here. And Umm Salama was looking and seeing. They were looking and seeing what happens. So the people, or the tribe of Abu Salama, they end up taking the child. Banu Makhzum end up taking Umm Salama. And Abu Salama, he continued his migration. Look at the sacrifice. Look at the real sacrifice in the cause of Islam. Those people, indeed, they deserve the victory. These people, they indeed, they deserve this victory. And that's what the Ummah needs. That's what the Ummah wants. To sacrifice in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not to sacrifice in the cause of man-made systems or man-made constitutions. That's what's, that's what's, that is the essentials of the seerah. That's what we understand the seerah. That's the essentials and the important understanding of the migration. This is the way. The Sahaba sacrificed their deen. Umm Salama then did not come and say, well, the Prophet, he is behind all of this. It's because of him I'm losing my son. It's because of him I'm losing... She did not say this. Every day, in the morning, she used to go on the same place where they took her son. And she was crying from the morning all the way until the evening. Every day, until one of the kuffar, he came, his name was... I think Uthman ibn Abi Talha, he came and he said, what you are doing to this woman? This woman will never change. Do you think she will leave Islam? Do you think she will 
you know, give up her deen? Why don't you just send this woman to her, to her husband? She won't change. She will keep doing that. And that is shame on you. So what happens then? They brought her son. And she looked for a camel. And she wanted to migrate. And this man, he took her all the way from Mecca until she reached Medina to her husband. This is one example. Another example. Suhaib al-Rumi. Suhaib al-Rumi, from his name, he was not from Mecca. He came to Mecca. He did business. He became rich. And he was migrating. He had a lot of money. He took all of his money with him. Again, the intelligence of Quraysh or the Mukhabarat of Quraysh, they came to know about him and they hold him and they captured him. They told him, Ataytana Su'luk. You came to us Su'luk. Su'luk means somebody who has nothing. You have no money, you have no wealth, you have nothing. We harbored you. We gave you all what it takes to make your own business and to become rich. And now you are leaving with your money? Then he said, okay, what's your issue? What's your problem then? Their problem is what? You want to leave, they leave, that's fine. But if you want to leave, you have to leave in the same status you came, you, you came, us, you came to us with. You came to Suluk, you have to leave Suluk. Then he said, all what, all what matters for you is the money? They, they said, yes. He said, what if I give you all of my money, all of my wealth, would you let me go? They said, yes. They said, yes. Another example of sacrifice. Giving up everything. He spent like too much time collecting all of this wealth. But when it comes to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no ifs and buts. That's it. I am willing to give up all of my property to the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Another example, and this is a very famous example, which is Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu and how he performed his hijrah. This is to show us how brave he was and how strong and how much he was challenging the people of Quraysh. When Umar migrated, he put his sword on and he came to Al-Ka'bah. And he chose a time where the people and the elites of Quraysh, they were like meeting around the Kaaba. He wanted to insult them. He wanted to insult them. So he'd come and he did the tawaf. And then he went to the maqam of Ibrahim salam, and he prayed. Then he stood and he looked at them. Looked at them with honor, with dignity, with strength. The strength that he got and acquired from this Islam and from this deen. And he said, Shahatil wujuh. لا يرغم الله إلا هذه المعاطس. May Allah insult all of these faces. من أراد أن يثكل أمه أو يؤتم ولده أو ترمل زوجته زوجته فليلقني وراء هذا الوادي. If any one of you wants his mother to lose him, or he wants his kids to be orphans. Or he wants his wife to be divorced, follow me after this valley. This is the dignity that the Ummah has to look for. This is, this is not, brothers, it's not, this is not an, a story that we say to enjoy. This is a story that tells us, that tells us if we need to bring back the honor and the dignity to this Ummah, we have to act the same. 
we have to act the same. We are not supposed to go and seek our constitutions and our systems from the West. How come? How come we go and seek constitution for the Muslim, for the Muslim ummah, from the, for the Muslim ummah, from non and Islamic ummah? How could the people nowadays talk about civil state, talk about this and that? Look, I am migrating from this valley to establish the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to follow the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and to follow the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to follow the rest of the companions. The rest of the, the, the companions. This is the way the companions acted and this is the way they deserved the victory. Now, after two months from the day of the pledge, Mecca was empty from Muslims. They managed the kuffar they plan, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also is planning, except from three people. Or I would say four categories. The first one, some of the Muslims, they were captured and they were locked down by their families and they could not migrate. And the Prophet and the Prophet he was waiting for the permission from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to migrate. And Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala anhu and his family, and he was left there for a purpose and for a task. And Ali ibn Abi Talib radiallahu ta'ala anhu. And for each of these, there is a task to do. For Abu Bakr, he used to go and ask the Rasulullah to give him the permission to migrate. And the Rasulullah used to tell him what? Wait, be patient. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, provide you with a company. From that time, Abu Bakr realized that and he was wishing to company a Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in his hijrah. Therefore, from that time, he went and he purchased two camels and he hided them somewhere and he started feeding them, waiting for that day. And for Ali, Ali has one major task, which is he has to give and return the trust. To whom? To the people of Quraysh. Who are the people of Quraysh? Look at the, you know, the conflict. Abu Jahl, Utbah, Shayba, those people who are fighting the Rasulullah when they have some goods they want to protect, they are fighting the Rasulullah and they go and put this trust by him. So, Rasulullah he was thinking even about this. He won't migrate and leave Mecca without returning these goods to the people. At this point, we have two groups in Mecca. Two groups or two parties, each one of them are planning. Now, the first party is the people of Quraysh. The people of Quraysh, after they have seen that the Muslims, they are migrated, they, they, uh, they are migrated and they could not prevent them. Now their focus became on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is the head of the movement. This is the head of the message. This is the leader. He is still with us. So, if they get rid of him, 
that means they demolish the whole message of Islam. So therefore they start focusing on preventing the Prophet ﷺ from migration with all means. They took it very serious. They took it very serious, therefore they called for an urgent meeting. And these incidents took place on the last few days of Safar, the year 14th of Betha, at that time. So they met, I believe, on Thursday, the 26th of Safar, on their parliament, and they gathered and they start taking their opinions. What do we do? This is serious, we have to prevent him. The first option, or the first opinion, says, Ihbisuhu fil hadid. Capture him, put him as a captive, and lock him with, you know, chains. Another group said, no, this is not an opinion. You know what? His news will be leaked from the door, and it will reach his companions, and they will do all what it takes to come and take him away. This is not an opinion. Other group, they said, okay, let us exile him outside Mecca. Just let us, let us just force him to leave the Mecca. If he leaves, okay, he will take all of his things that he caused the corruption in our you know, in our uh, society and leave. Then another group said, what? This is not an opinion. Don't you say, don't you see Husna hadithihi, the beautiful of his words, and how he impact and influence the people? So it won't be except a matter of time, it won't be except a matter of time until he gather a group of people around him and he will come back so you won't do anything. While they are talking about this, the enemy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Pharaoh of this ummah, Abu Jahl, he stood up and he said, I came across an idea that nobody, none of you came across. What's your idea? He said, what is the, what's the issue of killing Muhammad? If one goes and kill Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his tribe will go and take the revenge from that tribe. So if we take one young, strong, powerful man from each tribe and we give him a very sharp sword and to go and hit Muhammad at once with one as if if it's as if it's a hit of one man, then his blood will be spread across all of these tribes and the people of uh, Abdul Muttalib, Banu Hashim. They cannot take the revenge from all of these tribes. Then they said, "This is the, this is the idea. This is the plan." So they agreed on this. Then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala revealed, revealed this ayah when He said, "وَإِذْ يَمْكُرُوا." When the kuffar, they were plotting against you to do what? means to jail you. to exile you. 
or to kill you. This is exactly what happens with any entity in the world ever since the creation until the day of judgment. When there is an entity thinking that there's somebody or a state, there's somebody in that state, he could be a threat to that state, what are they going to do? These three things. How many scholars from the Ummah nowadays are in jail? Why? Because they talk about the government. They talk about the corruption. They talk about, you know, the problems, the oppression. What they do? They put them in jail, or they kick them out of the country, or they kill them. That's what all the regimes in the Muslim world are doing nowadays. Anyone that they think this, this man, be it individual or group or whatever, or whatever, if they think that this is, they are causing like a problems into, in the system or into their existence or into their regime, that's what they plan to do. Again, uh, you know when somebody says like the history repeats itself? This is exactly what's happening. This is exactly what's, what is happening. So this won't be an excuse to anyone to say, oh, if I work for the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala nowadays, they will put me in jail. What about my kids? What about my family? None of the Sahaba thought this way. And we will see that right now the example of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. None of them did that from the Sahaba. Or, oh, if I do that, they might kick me out of my country. And Allah knows when I come back. So, I won't do it. Or they might kill me. This attitude, if it exists among the Ummah, then do not expect a victory to come soon. If you want the victory to come soon, then you have to act the same way as Prophet ﷺ acted. So that was the plan of Quraysh. And remember, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here says, even if those, they plan against you, you have to realize and understand. If you are working for the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then definitely Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be planning for you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is planning. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the best planner, means what? Means even if you go into hardship or torture or difficulties or whatever, just name it. Then at the end of the day, if you are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nobody can defeat you. If you are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, nobody can stop you. If you are with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then definitely Allah will be with you, as we will see with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Quraysh, they had this plan. Right away the news came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The news came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that do not sleep in your house tonight. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you the permission to migrate. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is giving you the permission to migrate. Quraysh, they formed the assassination group to come on Friday in the morning and to wait in front of the house of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The moment he comes out, they would go and hit him all together. That's their plan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that was almost on the noon of Thursday. Now Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he has to act right away. Means what? Means he must leave Mecca today. He did not say, well, I'm not ready. Give me some time. 
No, that's a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Aisha narrates in one hadith, she said, our Rasulullah used to come and visit Abu Bakr twice, almost twice a day. One in the morning and one in the evening. At that day, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, noon, he came to visit Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu. On that day, Aisha said, Rasulullah he came to us Bilhajra. Al-Hajra, it is the noon. And it is the noon. She says, when Abu Bakr saw the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, Rasulullah won't come at this time except for a serious, for a serious matter. When he entered, he told him, I protect you with all what I have. What is going on? What is going on? What is happening, O oh, Prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Then he said, Let everybody in the house leave the house. Very secret. Very serious. Let everybody in the house leave the house. We're going to talk. Then Abu Bakr said, O oh, Rasulullah, these are my two daughters, Aisha and Asma. Then Rasulullah he said, Inna Allah qad adhina li fil khuruji wal hijra. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala permitted me to leave for the hijrah. Then Abu Bakr said, As-suhbah? As-suhbah, ya Rasulullah? Is it the, really the company? Are you my company? Said As-suhbah. Then Aisha said, Fawallahi ma sha'artu qad qabla thalika al-yawm anna ahadan yabki min al-farahi hatta ra'aytu Aba Bakr yabki yawma idhin. Aisha said, I did not know that the people would cry from happiness as I have seen Abu Bakr was crying at that day. Now look at the reaction. Abu Bakr, he was rich, he had money, he had business, he had his family. What's the response? Did he tell him, wow, I can't, you want me to leave right now? What, what, what about my business? What about my companies? What about my uh, uh, daughters, my father, my business, my wealth? He did not, he did not hesitate at all. He told him, I was expecting this, therefore I am preparing for this day. I had two camels, they are waiting for this. So Rasulullah he started putting the plan. What's the plan? Which way we're gonna move? Medina has two ways. One straightforward, you just leave Mecca, north 500 kilometers, and you go to Medina. Or, and that is the safest and smoothest and cleanest way. The other way is what? Is to move into the, the south and then turn into the coast of the Red Sea and then go north. Again, now we're saying what? Our Rasulullah is teaching us. Our Rasulullah could leave. Our Rasulullah could protect him and make him just leave without any of these preparation. But this is to tell us that the victory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never come if the ummah is sleeping. If we are relaxing and, and sitting and relaxing and say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this deen and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make this deen victorious. No, this will not happen. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this deen victorious through the people, through the ummah, through the Muslims. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not send angels to bring this deen back. No, 
if the ummah does not do if we don't if we, the ummah does not do the job allah subhanahu wa ta'ala quran said he said that he will replace you with other people who are more sincere and they will do the job and they will deserve the victory and they will deserve the victory with all of your planning you have to completely rely on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relying on allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mean you go and relax sit down and say my heart is full of iman and my rizq will come and Allah will provide me with victory. That is not the case. And the proof is what a Rasul, and he is the Prophet. He was the Prophet. Look what he did and how he was thinking. He said, first of all, we have to think of the way. Okay, now this way is going to be a long way, and the people of Quraysh will not leave us alone. So we need somebody to do what? We need muhabarat, we need intelligence. We need somebody to bring us the news every day on a daily basis. So we need somebody to give us the news. What else? It's long travel. We need somebody to give us what? Food. Okay. What else? If we walk on the desert, then we leave behind us what? The footsteps, the footprints. And there's a lot of people who are experienced in you know, following the, you know, following the uh, the, the, the Athar or following the, the, the footprints and they will catch us. So we need another one to come behind us and behind the one who brings us the food and behind the one who gives us the news to erase and remove all of our what? All of our footprint. Where are we going to get these from? And then we have one more, we need one more to guide us in the desert and show us the way. And at the same time, at the same time, the intelligence of Quraysh everywhere in Mecca. They are watching all the entries and exits of Mecca to make sure that the Prophet does not leave because in the morning they will go and, you know, do the assassination. Let me stop here. Actually, I have a lot to finish, but I would like to stop here, inshallah ta'ala, and then we'll continue this uh, next time. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts on current events, Islamic guidance, Quran Tafsir, and Sirah are available at islampodcasts.com as well as on iTunes. Rate, review, and comment and let us know how we can grow in our knowledge to better serve our community. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend about islampodcasts.com.